Well, friends, it is good to be with you this morning that he has risen. He has risen indeed. If you're not used to that, that by the time we're done here, you will be completely um, just in tune with us. Uh, my name is Austin. I'm one of the pastors. And um, as we were thinking about um, just what we're celebrating this morning, um, it made me think of a time when in February, my family and I went back to Disney. And if you know anything, if you've been to Disney, um, I want to tell you the best part of it. I'll give you the secret right up front. Um, the best attraction that you need to go to is the Lion King show. Why? It's 40 minutes long of sitting. And it's air-conditioned, right? Like, those are two of the best dreams that you could have while you're dizzy. Sitting and being air-conditioned, especially if you made the bad choice and you went in summer. I'm sorry about that, but you need to make better choices. Um, but one of the things my son's favorite part of that was not just sitting and having a snack, but he actually loves, in the middle of that, there's a trapeze axe where the um, acrobats come on and they start swinging each other like monkeys from rope to rope. And he just was just jaw-dropped, like just watching them and going, how, Daddy, do they do this? And it kept me thinking about, as we talk about what we're celebrating this morning, that Jesus is alive, that we celebrate the hope is not only that Jesus is risen from the grave and that you're a part of his family, but there's this word, that that same word, that, that trapeze, comes and finds its way in uh, the communion time of the Last Supper when Jesus is celebrating um, with his best friends, with his disciples at the table. And he tells them this, that, that he will lay down his life, he will give up his life, he will let go of his life for them. That in the same way that they are to do what he has done, in the same way that they are to let go of their life for him in response to who he is. And I thought about that for a minute. It seems odd. It seems um, just different to sit there and say, like in a trapeze says, that you are supposed to let go of what is secure in life. But this is what God does, is that God sent his son so that we would understand his great sacrifice. And so the question we're talking about this morning is that if we are seek people who are seeking to find life, that if you're seeking after life, to find life to the fullest, to find love, this is what Jesus in the gospel says, that you must let go. You must surrender it to find life. And so this morning, the question that we want to say is uh, that God comes and says to you, let go. Let's go. Will you let go? So I want to uh, read the text that Nancy talked about this morning uh, from Matthew chapter 28. So if you have a Bible in front of you um, or you have it on your phone, um, turn to Matthew 28. We're going to read uh, the verses 1 through 10. Uh, This is the account of the risen Lord. It'll be up there on the screen as well. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and was in going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. 
Come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. I like that part. Afraid yet filled with joy. And they ran to to his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the good news that we celebrate this morning. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he is no longer dead, that he is resurrected, that he lived the life that we were required to live. He died the death that we deserved, and he was raised to life so that you might have life. So that you might have life. And the good news that if we hear that God In Romans 9, I love the way that he talks about this in Romans 5, that Paul says that God demonstrated his love for you. That he demonstrated his love for us, for you and for me, that in this, in this way that he demonstrated his love, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. That means that while we were separated from him, while we didn't live the life that we were required, his death and resurrection has allowed us to be united back with him. So here's the good news. If you're a skeptic this morning, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. If you're someone who is religious, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. That if you're uh, a, a criminal, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. If you're a politician, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. If you are a thief, if you're unfaithful, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. If you are a sinner, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. If you are successful, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. If you are poor, an outcast, or a leper, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. If you are young, Jesus loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. If you are old, Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. If you feel like you're fake, you feel like this is a facade, everything in your life, Jesus loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus loves you so much that he wants to have a relationship with you. This is the good news. This is what it means so that we celebrate is that Jesus demonstrated his love for you that while you were separated, whatever took you away, if you were covetous and you always want more and you feel like there's never enough, Jesus still loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. This is the good news. And that doesn't mean that Jesus just welcomes you into the trapeze family because you have fulfilled the family requirement that you're of the same bloodline. Or that you tried out and that you were good enough to join his family and join the team. God loves you and have a relationship, whether you're a part of the family, of the bloodline of Jesus, or if you are not good enough, that Jesus loves you and has a relationship with you. This is the good news that we celebrate. Is that Jesus says, well, I want you to be on our team and in our family. That you don't have the necessary skill or the bloodline to prove that you are deserving of it. But he still loves you and wants to have a relationship with you.
He welcomes you into the family because he loves you and he wants you, not because of whatever you bring to the table to justify yourself. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And we could end there. And you would hear the good news that Jesus is dead, is, is no longer dead, but has risen from the grave. He loves you and has a relationship with you no matter where you are in the room and where you are in the life, where you've come from, how long you've been following him or not, how long you have been distanced or apathetic towards him, whatever it means, he loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. And we hear that on Easter, but I want to give you the fullness of what Jesus has offered. Because we come in here and we engage with the Jesus and sometimes there's more to what we see. There's more to what we see in the story. And so here's the good news. If you accept that good news, that Jesus loves you and want to have a relationship, then you have to surrender your life to find the life that he offers. If you accept the good news that Jesus loves you and want to have a relationship with you, then you have to surrender your life in order to find the life that he offers to you. That when Jesus offers himself, when he says, I will see my disciples, that he shows up in flesh and often eats with them to show, I am actually really alive. Look at the wounds in my hands. Look at it in the side. I am alive. I want to have a relationship with you. I am alive. If you've accepted that good news and you want the life that happens after death, then in the same way that Jesus laid down his life for you, you have to lay down your life for him. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. That in the same way that he laid his life down for you, so too you should respond in the same way, by laying your life down for him. But that's not good news in our culture. For me, and maybe some of you are thinking that word surrender is more like a four-letter word that you don't ever utter. Right? Or in our culture, it's portrayed as something that is, is not, uh, something that you're, is very appealing or that you go after. It's not something in school or you're raised in your career is to say, hey, be a person of surrender. Lay yourself down at your colleagues' feet, at your, uh, peers' feet, like at your competitors' feet. That's not something that we live into, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you accept the good news that He loves you and wants to have a relationship with you and that He laid down His life for you, that as a follower of Jesus Christ, as disciples who talk, walk, act, and live like him, that in the same way you have to lay your life down for him as well. But it's not always something that we like. Right? Because surrendering in our life, in the narrative that we're given of surrender, is different in the world from the kingdom. The world says that surrendering is losing. But in the kingdom of God, it's winning. That surrender in the, in the world is submission. But in the kingdom, it's freedom. That surrendering in the world is giving up. But in the kingdom, it's giving into. In the world, surrendering means chained, being oppressed, being pulled down. But in the kingdom of God, it means transformation. Surrender to the world means that there is static, that you are not growing, that you are dying, that you are obligated to live out a life in uh, service to one another that brings you no joy, no movement, no growth. But the kingdom of God, that surrender is growth. 
is life, is transformation, is this place where we go from one to the next. That it is not just that you get chained up and you surrender and you're in isolation, but it actually means community. That surrender doesn't mean that you are in isolation, barred, put behind bars, stay over there, but it actually means community. It means unity with Christ, with the body of believers. It means that you surrender yourself not to your will, but to his will. But in a world of surrender, we want mine. And here's the thing. You might be thinking, I don't surrender myself a lot. But I want to tell you something. I actually believe we surrender a ton in our lives, but we just don't ever think about it. Or my other conviction is that we actually surrender a lot of the things that we actually think will bring us life, purpose, meaning. That we do it all the time in the disguise of getting life. That we don't want to say surrender as it's normally told by the world, but we surrender to many things after the pursuit after life and after love. We do it all the time and in many different ways in our lives. Right, students? Or maybe for anybody that was young and in sports, you submit yourself, you surrender to the will of your coaches because they know better. Because they actually have the skill set to help you get better, to get to the place that you want to go. We surrender to coaches and to, um, and, and to, to coaches in order that we might become a professional athlete. Right? That we might hit the goals of playing in college, playing professional, getting the dream that you want to do. You don't do it by yourself, that you surrender to the will of your coaches who are in the point that are going to get you to the life that you desire. Right? And in the same way, we surrender often to, to counselors, which are in a good way, because we believe that, especially in our marriage, that if we go to counselors, that we listen to their wisdom in order they will tell us how to have a better marriage or a better relationship with our spouse or that we got to work out our stuff in our past, that we believe that what happens with, with our counselors is that they have the wisdom to make things better. Or we surrender ourselves to the doctors, right? That they have gone through schooling, they've seen the illnesses that we are uh, going through, and that they prescribe us a way towards health. And so we surrender ourselves to their way so that we might return from sickness to health. We surrender ourselves often to our careers. We surrender ourselves to the ideology that if we keep going up the wrong, we will finally get to the place that we want to be. The life that we've always seen, the life that we're saying is like, once you raise that corporate ladder and you get to the point, now you're seeing people that have life and life to the full. And so we surrender ourselves to this ideology that, um, that if we pursue and sacrifice and surrender to whatever is going to get us to the next rung, then every moment we'll have a little bit more life than we had before. We surrender ourselves to their ambition. We surrender ourselves to uh, a way of life that says, whatever your dream is, go after it. At the sake of everybody else, go get it. Because you deserve it. And so your ambition pushes you and pushes you and pushes you to go and go and get and more and more and that nothing is ever enough. That if you just have this next, this, the narrative that you're seeking is if we surrender ourselves to our ambition, the next step or the next gate that we go through is the thing that will finally bring life and love that we've always been seeking after. But friends, as we surrender ourselves to this, we realize that what? You don't always get healthy. 
you don't always get the promotion. You don't always get the accolades. Your marriage doesn't always get better. You don't make it to the pros. And so what do you do? How then does this make sense if we are, if we are in the habit as human beings surrendering ourselves to different things, but there's not the life that we seek after? It's because you're seeking after the wrong thing. Jesus says it this way. In both and in, in Luke chapter 9, he talks about his death and resurrection. And he says, and we sometimes miss it because we read one section of the text and then we need the second section later. But I want to read it in its whole because it says a lot. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone about his death and resurrection. He said to them, the son of man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Then right after that, don't miss it, his death and resurrection. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves to take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very self? Friends, this is what happens. That when we surrender ourselves, when you lose your life for Christ's sake, I love that it doesn't say, it says right there that you will save it, but for some people, in other translations it says, when you lose your life, you will find it. You'll find it. So if you accept this good news, only surrender is where we will find life. Not only is Jesus as our Savior, but our Lord and the source of all life, that he is the life everlasting tomorrow and in the ages to come, but today. But for some of you in, this, in here that are doubters and skeptics, maybe you've come because it's a part of your practice of your family, but you're doubters and skeptics, and I understand why. Because you've joined the trapeze family in other places, and you have fully surrendered into that life. And what has often happened is that you have leaped off the bar and going into the waiting arms of another person and they have dropped you and they have let you down. And you ask yourself in your doubting is that I have done it in other places in life. Why in the world am I going to do it to Jesus? Because every one of my experiences is that everything lets me down. Everything drops me. But what I'm telling you, friends, is that it is not in the nature of who Christ is. Christ is not in the nature of letting go. Or if you're like me and you get nervous and you have slippery hands, you're not jumping to somebody that's got slippery, sweaty hands. He's sure. But I understand that you're a skeptic and you're a doubter because you have done it in other places and you don't trust that Jesus isn't going to do it again. But it's not in his nature. Because he is the source of law life. He is the creator of the trapeze family. He is the inventor. He is not a cheap imitation. He's not an as-seen-on-TV fake version of it. But we've tried so many of those other versions. And I can understand why you might be saying, I don't want to fully surrender because I have been let down when I do. But for maybe some of you who are here today and that you've been doing this Easter thing for years and years and decades, maybe you've only been doing it for a, a short time, but you're starting to feel like this life that Jesus offers isn't fully there. 
isn't actually the fullness of life is in competition with other things that you're surrendering to and they seem to be the same. You might be saying like, I'm ready to give up because of the life that, that offers in this family. My question is to you, is have you fully surrendered into this family? Are you in that, in that same thing? Are you a part of the trapeze family and you get up on that bar and all you do is swing and you never jump off? I don't know about you, uh, but if you've ever seen a kid alone on um, a teeter-totter, are they having fun? No. Right? Right? Have you ever seen a kid playing tennis by himself? Ball never comes back. I wonder how many of us have been playing this game or been a part of this family and we've been swinging back and forth out of alignment in Jesus and we actually never let go. And so, yeah, you don't feel like this life of following Jesus is the fullness of what's offered. So you go after other things because you've been swinging back and forth and you're in out of alignment with Jesus and you actually never let go. And so you're never taking any risk. You're never knowing that he's going to be there on the other side and actually catch you. And then that thrill and that risk that, that you do when you jump is a real risk. But you never know because you never jump. Because you never let go. That's why you hear, I hear a lot of people say, I don't know, I'm giving up on faith and I'm asking that question. You never really let go. You never really jumped. You just swang and decided that being a part of the team was enough. So the hope when your life enters that you're still a part of the family because you got a certificate of entrance. And lastly, friends, if you're disciples... This surrender is not a one-time prayer. This surrendering, this swinging and alignment with Jesus and trusting him is an everyday thing. This is what we do when we walk out of here as we bear witnesses to the good news of Jesus Christ that he died the death that we deserve. He gives us life and that we don't say that this life is easy. It takes risks. It takes letting go and being in midair, hoping that Jesus will catch you. But every time he catches you, it's a bearing witness to the testimony that on the other side is someone who will never drop me. This is the testimony is that when you surrender yourself to Jesus, that you take and understand that life isn't going to be easy. We're not selling you a bunch of goods that says you're going to come in here and everything's going to prosper. You're going to take risks. And when you leap, Jesus is going to catch you. And that in every time of those moments, it's a bearing witness that God is good. That it is the truth that when you lose your life, when you give up control, when you let go of the bar, and when you jump, you bear witness to the good news that he says life is found on the other side. You feel the thrill, the excitement, the risk, the danger that is a part of following Jesus because it doesn't always make sense. But for everybody else who's leaping in and there's nobody on the other side, we bear truth to a witness that Jesus is on the other side. And he will reach and he will catch you. Not just in some heavenly realm when you finally go up and go into the sky and you jump off and you leap into his arm and he catches you. Every day right now when you surrender your life, your daily giving up, your daily surrendering to him, that means all of your things, all of your plans, all of your um, desires, your habits, all of those things are surrendered to the way of Jesus. And that every time he proves that he catches you is a bear witness to a testimony that the life that you are living is not because you built it, but because he caught you.
This is the good news of Jesus Christ. If you accept the good news that Jesus loves you and wants to have a relationship with you, in the same way that he laid down his life, you need to lay yours down for him. Let's pray. Father, we come as as honest as we are, skeptics, doubters, unbelievers. people who feel like imposters. But no matter where we come from, you say that you love us. You didn't die because we could bring enough of an offering. You said we never could. And so you did. So Jesus, for all of us that are in the room this morning, those that might be here or watching online, for us, myself included, who has sought after so many other things, that have surrendered my life to so many other things, God, would you show yourself as the source of all life and all love? That if we want a relationship with you, we not only reach out into prayer and our communication with you and say, Jesus, you, I do believe. I do believe you. I believe that you tied the death that I deserved because of my sin. I believe that you have risen from the grave. God, I want you to be my Savior. I want to be what you were on the cross, saving us from a life of death, disappointment, separation from you. And I want today the life that you offer. So God, I pray that we don't just pray a prayer that we say that you are our Savior, but God, the fullness of your gospel says that you are not only our Savior, but our Lord. You are the King of the kingdom. And so we say, God, I want you and I believe that you are who you say you are as my Savior. But from this day on, I also surrender my life because you are not only my Savior, but you are my Lord. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your death on the cross, for the life that we live today and the hope that we have for the future. We ask this in your name. Amen.